Hello, welcome to the Reconnecting to Joy podcast, where we inspire you to embrace a new way of being by helping you reconnect to the joy within you and the world around you. I hope today's episode helps you remember the light you are. Let's get connected. Well, hello. We have Leah Party with us here today. Leah, why don't you let everyone know who you are, what you do. We're so excited to have you today. Yeah. Hi, Kelsey. I'm super excited to be here. I'm Leah Party. I'm an author and a speaker. I host the Burn Against Soul podcast. I'm a breathwork facilitator. I do online classes for that. I do in-person things as well here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Started all of this about four years ago, really being super burnt out in the corporate world and in the in the corporate hustle mindset you know it wasn't so much about having the job it was more about the way i approached it all and i stumbled upon meditation and journaling as a self-growth tool and from there just spent the past four years like really really deepening my connection to myself my self-love my self-worth and becoming much more conscious and aware and it's really changed my entire life so i'm really really grateful to be able to share the things that i've learned and be able to teach these things and help others as well on their journeys that's awesome i'm really excited i can't believe i get to facilitate this conversation with you around it because i feel like you just lay down so much truth and i know you're gonna lay some down today so i'm super excited for that I love that you've kind of come from this corporate world into this more like meditating and stuff world because we're all about redefining success here. So I'm really curious what you did in the corporate world. Yeah, so I worked in sales. I was, sales was the perfect job for me as a perfectionist workaholic who was an Enneagram three, so obsessed with image and and success in the quote unquote traditional success world. Really, really, really my entire, you know, early twenties was spent obsessing with what people thought about me and building this image of who I was, you know, and yeah, so I worked my way up into sales management. I got my MBA while working full time. I was expecting to be a vice president of sales for a company within, you know, the next 10 years from that point, like I was, I had this whole track in my mind and I didn't care that it involved working 60 hours a week and that that number would only grow. I didn't care that, you know, I felt out of alignment with a lot of the things that we did as a, as a billion dollar company in America selling things that weren't always ethical. I. I started to care about those things, which is what led to me transitioning out of that job. But I was just so obsessed and addicted to the grind that that was what mattered. That's very interesting. I have like kind of a similar story to you. What, what started this transition for you to like when you kind of woke up and started to care about these things? Yeah, so I really started, this is like so cliche and like this is so many people's answer, but I read the book, The Secret. Okay, um, And I was at Goodwill the other day in my little town and I saw that book on the shelf and I was like, yay, someone else is going to read it and be woken up to all of this. But it really did. It made me realize like, holy crap, like the way that I think, like my thoughts and the way that I feel and the way that my perspective like actually shapes my life and 
hey, if I start to like let go of some of the things I'm always worrying about, like maybe I'll feel less stress. And so I started playing around with things like I drove around a lot for sales and I had a lot of road rage, like really bad. I had a lot of suppressed anger. And I started to notice that like that was a choice and I don't have to have road rage. Like I don't have to be angry all the time at these people who are just driving their cars. So little things like that. And I started to shift my perspective and, and then that led me to really diving into like other spiritual books, podcasts like this, you know, and yeah, that was like what sparked it all. It is the most like, like, I don't believe you that you had road rage. Like, I can't imagine you having road rage. That is, it's like making me laugh. Like, that is so funny because you do not seem like you would ever, ever, ever (laughs) have road rage. So that's so interesting. So you read this book. What drew you to read that book? You know, I think it was one of my sales reps at the time told me to read it. And she's now, neither of us work there anymore. She's now like my best friend. So, and like we both started businesses. Now she's a hypnotherapist and, you know, I do the like life coaching route. So we had to, we just get in these conversations like, and she started to open me up to like the law of attraction stuff. And she told me to read that book and really changed everything for me. Oh my goodness. Wow. That's a good friend. (laughs) Yes. She's the best. Oh my goodness. So you read this book, you started realizing, hey, I kind of think I want something different. This isn't serving me. At what point did you come across breath work? So it was pretty early on. I, so I got really into meditation and very, very quickly into that journey, found breath work. And you know, actually, it was probably, it might have been like eight or eight months or even a year after I started meditating. So I was meditating every day, really getting into like the concept of stillness, using my breath a little bit with that. But when I found breath work, I was like, wow, this is like less talked about, less known about, but it's actually the thing that kind of needs to come first for people because meditation, like I would get all these messages on Instagram and people would just be like, Leah, like I really want to start meditating, but like I can't, like I just can't. And I get it because we are in this fast paced world we're in a hyper masculine society where doing is the priority, right? Doing defines our success. Being in stillness, being calm, being just with ourselves is very uncomfortable. So we grab our phones, we're addicted to our social media, we watch TV, whatever we can do to distract ourselves from feeling our feelings and being present. So it's really, really hard for people to start meditating. And like, I always recommend start with like three minutes at a time or five minutes at a time. Like, you know, really baby steps. But when I found breath work, I was like, wow, this is easier because it gives you something to do, something to focus on. So you're doing like a specific breathing pattern. So not only is that a lot easier than just trying to sit and do nothing, but then it shuts off the default mode network part of the brain, which is that constant monkey mind chatterbox that won't shut up. And so that makes it a lot easier to then meditate after, to like then flow into a meditative state. And so... And it's also, you know, like I said, I said, I know it's funny that I used to have like so much anger, but I really did. I was, you could ask my husband, I was like somebody who had like a short fuse <laughs> and a breath work is a big way that I started to release those repressed emotions too, because with the breathing patterns, it helps to tap into those stuck energies and release them. So it's, it's something to go along with meditation. That's like better. But for, for people who are listening, who are like, I can't meditate, breath work is probably a really good place to start. Where would you recommend people start learning about breathwork? 
Well, I have the Breath Portal, which is uh, my membership site. There's a seven-day free trial, and it's just a library of breathwork and meditation videos. But other than that, I mean, you can go on YouTube. You can look at, like, local. Like, I do a lot of breathwork workshops at yoga studios. You can look on, like, Eventbrite is a good place to find breathwork workshops in your local area if you want to go in person. Yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. It's really, really a powerful practice. Do you have, like, a really simple breathwork practice people could like even do right now while they're listening to this the rest of this podcast yeah totally okay so if you can if you can close your eyes great if not that's totally fine whatever is safe for you right now but we're just gonna like relax the shoulders notice any tension in the forehead the skin around the eyes start to notice where you're holding any tension and just breathe into those spaces relaxing the stomach I'm just taking a really slow breath in through the nose. Slow as you can, all the way up. Feel your chest expand. And then just release it out through the mouth. <sighs> Breathing in through the nose really slowly, all the way up. And let it out. And that's just a really, really simple one to just take a few of doing a few of those can totally shift your mood, can totally shift you out of negative thought patterns. Because if you notice with the breath, and this is why, like I always say, the breath is our anchor. It's difficult to be like overthinking and also paying attention to your breath at the same time. So it kind of like breaks that up, shifts things and yeah, helps you relax a little. Yeah, I literally feel relaxed after those two breaths. I'm not even like, I love the reminder to release tension like in all the places. So I can always use that. Well, yeah, yeah. If you're listening and you're in a place where you can safely close your eyes and relax and continue listening to this podcast, definitely encourage it. That's just awesome. Thank you for that. Um, you kind of do all of these things, Leah. So I'm going to touch on a lot of different things. But I know you also recently published a book, and it is, like, very high on my TBR. So what was it like writing your first book? I see all of these, like, testimonials coming in about it, and it just seems life-changing. I can't wait to read it myself. Yeah, so it was honestly really scary and hard. Like many things in life that are new to us, right? Of course it's going to be outside of the comfort zone. So... I started writing it twice and stopped because the timing wasn't right is what I told myself. But really, I was just scared. Like, that's what was happening. I was scared, especially with it being a memoir, you know, pouring my putting things out there that I hadn't even told my parents about and, you know, stuff like that. So the third time around, I was like, OK, I'm really going to write the book now. And what really helped me actually, there's a book that really helped me. Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Have you heard of that book? You know that one? Yep, yeah, I've read that, yeah. Oh my gosh, so good. And through reading that and really, really embodying like, because the book, that book is about living a creative life. And she really talks about like letting go of expectations and not making it about pleasing other people and just like having fun with it and letting it be like light and easy, you know, and, and not so serious. And so I was really working on embodying that and also with like with the success stuff like with letting go of like the idea that it has to be a huge success and like 
and like really deciding that I would be okay no matter what happened. That was huge for me. So when it, after that point, I, once I got into the flow of writing from there, it became pretty easy because like I love to write. So like that was really, really fun and awesome. Yeah, and you know, the nerves came back up again after I released it, you know, a little while after it came out, I was, you know, I didn't know people thought about it. I mean, I, I did get positive reviews, but still was just in this place of fear and again, had to just decide like, it's okay, you know, and, and just recommit to having like that lightness to life that, you know, making it about fun and and like I wrote the book in the first place to to spread joy and you know so yeah and I mean it has become quite successful which is awesome so that's really good but I I really gained a lot from deciding I'd be okay even if it wasn't successful you know because we can't control life and sometimes things aren't going to go the way we expect them to so that the whole the whole process was really like life-changing Yes, I love that. I think it takes a lot of courage to share those kind of stories. So I just want to recognize you for that. So you were talking about like, it was really uncomfortable and it was scary. When we are stepping into our joy and we are like, you know, redefining success as our joy, I feel like we can make excuses for staying comfortable because like, this is our truest self because I'm comfortable here and not remember the importance of expanding ourselves to really be our truest, highest selves. And so I would just like to hear kind of how you balance showing up as your true self, but also expanding yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that makes me think of like the masculine and feminine balance as well. You know, like being being in flow, being comfortable with where you are and being in that joyful place, but then also being balanced with like, doing and going and going after what you really want to do you know and and taking those steps even though they can be scary i personally have like so much motivation like i'm just very 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 motivated some of that's negative because some of that comes from like wanting the outer success right but Mm -hmm. i feel like i can really really trust myself to be motivated and and in terms of like taking the steps to be like, make sure I'm on the track with like aligned with my highest self. I do a lot of like a, like a led to do today list. So like I'll check in with myself, like what do I really feel guided to do today? You know, and whatever comes out, like I have to do it. If it's something that my heart really wants to do, I have to do it. So it's like, yeah, it's like a balance between, you know, you don't want to let yourself off the hook when there's things you really deeply do want to do. And you have to like follow through with the things you really desire, but also like in a way that feels good in a way that honors your body and your time and and not, you know, hustling for your worth. How would you encourage people to start discovering what they truly desire? I think it really comes to you in stillness. I think getting, doing the breath work, doing the meditation, or any form of stillness that really works for you, like long walks in nature or short walks in nature, walking out in your backyard, like looking at the trees for five minutes without your phone. The time and space in stillness, I think is really, really key. Once you have that, you can just set an intention for the ideas to come to you, you know? Pray or set an intention like, 
God, Goddess, Universe, whatever it is for you, I'm willing to be guided to my highest self, to my purpose, my outer purpose, you know. That's a really powerful way for the ideas just to come to you. And then I also would say journaling. Journaling is so, so huge for me. It's been a massive part of my journey. And so you can just, in your journal, ask for guidance. You can say, you can write a prompt like, what would really, what creative outlet would really bring me joy? Or if I was really doing, if I was doing what I really wanted to do, what would that be? And just start writing and see what comes up. And I'm very convinced that like for most people, we kind of already know, but most of the time we're just afraid to admit it because it's scary and it's uncomfortable and it's new. So be open to things that have, you know, looking at what's brought you joy in the past as a child, things you wanted to do when you grew up, but definitely that time and space too, like not being on your phone 24 seven, give yourself space to like connect your intuition. Yeah, I love that. And I know that you kind of show up on the digital platforms in various ways. How do you balance that um, space for you versus showing up and sharing your message with other people? Yeah, well, a couple of things that I've done, because I'm, I'm very addicted to social media, and I go through seasons where I'm, it's not as bad, seasons where it's worse. Something I implemented about a year ago is I don't do any social media in the evenings or on the weekends. And occasionally there'll be a weekend where I decide I want to. That's helped a lot to give myself that space. But then also during the day, I, I mean, even lately, I've been noticing like being on it way too much, checking it unconsciously. So just the other day, I got in the mail from Amazon. I ordered a locking box to lock my cell phone in, like set a timer. So I literally locked in there for hours during the day and that really because I went 10 days without social media over like the Christmas break the New Year's break and I noticed like a huge huge upburst of creativity and uh, I'm actually working on my second book right now which is a poetry book and I you know channeled all these poems it was so like it was so beautiful and so easy and it was because I was in that space without social media and without just the constant distraction. Because something that research has found is that the average person takes 23 minutes to bounce back from one distraction. So when you're checking your phone all day long, good luck getting to a point where you're actually being at your, your peak for pro productivity, let alone creativity. When you're always looking at what other people are doing, it's like, where is your own creativity? So definitely locking my phone in a box has been helpful. Yeah, I'm really big on being present in the moment so I don't allow the cell phone to like take over my life yeah oh my gosh I'm so excited that your next book is for poetry like I've been loving the poems you've been sharing on Instagram and I'm so excited for this book already <laughs> that's yeah. so awesome I actually wanted to talk about one of your most recent posts because it just hit me so hard it resonated so hard with everything that I believe and I think it's such an important message and it was the stuffed but starving poem that you wrote and if do you have it in front of you I think it'd be really awesome if we could read it for the listeners really quick yeah let me let me find it because that was just I mean it just hits everything and just you just hit so many examples and analogies of how it's so true across our lives and 
Oh my gosh, it was so powerful. So let's see Thank if we can you. find it. I really appreciate <laughs> the feedback. Let me see if I can find it. I know I emailed it to myself the other day, but I don't know where it is now. Oh, here it is. Oh, perfect. Yep. Get me to read it like spoken word art. Yeah, yeah. Stuffed yet starving. Obesity and eating disorders, both at an all-time high. We are stuffed yet starving. Our closets are jam-packed full of the latest fashion trends, made by the hands of children in cheap labor in sweatshops, never fulfilling our demands. We hate everything in our closet. We are stuffed yet starving. We have tons of friends, on Facebook that is, connected to other humans more than ever before, yet completely devoid of actual community. We are stuffed, yet starving. Quick fixes grab our attention, a pill for this, a jab for that, we're full of big pharma solutions, which are more like band-aids covering up the root cause and creating even more symptoms. We are stuffed, yet starving. Our food supply is vast, so much variety, 25 different kinds of cereal line the aisle, but none of it is real food. We are stuffed, yet starving. Another pill, a bigger house, more clothes, we seek solutions. But the actual problem is that we are starving for real in a world stuffed with faith. I don't know if you can hear this. <laughs> oh my gosh, just hits powerful anytime you hear it. Oh my gosh, please put that one in the book. That needs to be plastered everywhere. That is so powerful. So <clears throat> how did you kind of start realizing that you were like distracting yourself with these things, but it wasn't fulfilling you? Like when did you kind of wake up to that idea? Like with social media or like with, any, with anything? Poem? Yeah. Like the poem. Yeah. Well, so uh, let me think. It's been little by little over the years. I was really impacted by a documentary. I don't remember the name of it. It was like in, it was like a short piece inside of a documentary about a year ago, and it, I that's when I found out that like child labor is such a big thing in the textile industry, and so I, of course I started researching, and and it's like we, we all kind of know the fast fashions, like you know, not great for the the planet and stuff like that. But it really made me really made me make a shift from you know, always needing to go out and go shopping and buy all the things to realizing like, I mean, now I shop basically at Goodwill because that's, that's an ethical way to shop. And those clothes, you know, were made by, by slaves and children, but at least it's not like a new article of clothing contributing to that. So yeah, that was one thing. I mean, it's, it's just been little by little over the years, you know, just seeing the way that we eat in America, it's ridiculous. It's not real food. And we cause so many of our own problems. We always need more. I'm like a huge minimalist. And so needing the idea that we always need more, I've, this came to me over the years because I remember getting my first brand new car. I was like very, very young. I was like in college. I needed a brand new car. Like why? You know, but it's because I wanted to post a picture of it on Instagram. Literally, I wanted people to think I was successful right and I remember thinking realizing like a week or two later like wait I don't feel any different oh my gosh like I thought I was gonna feel different if I had this car and then I didn't internalize that 
So over the years, it kept being the next thing that I needed that I thought would make me happy. This is like a big theme of my book, too, Confessions of an Uncaged Soul. And I, and I came to the realization that, like, if we're in the mindset that we always need the next thing to solve our problems, there, that's never going to end. That's a mindset. Whereas being present and being grateful and feeling abundant with what you already have, like, that feels so much better. Because it's the wanting that drives us crazy. The reason that we do all these things, the reason that we work 60 hours a week, the reason that we need the bigger house, the, re like, the reason we're obsessed with all of these things is because the mind won't shut up about it. The mind wants more, the mind is looking for, so, you know, the next dopamine hit, whatever it is. But that's, so what we actually want isn't the next big house. It's actually, we just want peace from our mind. Like we just want to be in a peaceful state. And we think if I just buy the things that mind is telling me to buy or get the promotion I can't stop thinking about and worrying about, then I'll be at peace. But it doesn't work. Peace is already within you. So it's like tapping into that inner peace. But yeah, my life definitely got a lot better when I started to realize that when my mind is going crazy wanting the next thing, that doesn't mean that that thing is going to make me happy. That's just my mind, you know? Yeah, and maybe even like society telling your mind what to want. Yes. Um, so are you, I know you're a minimalist, which I love. You were talking about desires and desiring the next thing. Are you of the belief that like any kind of desire is bad or? Do you kind of try to tune into like your highest self desires? What are what's working for you right now? Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't think that all desires are bad. I think desires are human, you know, and as we develop, as we become the watcher of our thoughts, like through meditation and breathwork and stillness, we notice these things. We notice desire. We notice all the other human emotions and all the other human things. And they're not necessarily bad, but we, we get to choose whether or not to follow them, you know? And, and yeah, seeing, seeing if they really feel like they're coming from our higher self, if they feel in alignment, if they feel true. So I don't, I don't think that it's bad. I think it's just most of us live our lives where we take everything the mind tells us and just believe it's true and do it. Where, but if you become the watcher of your mind and notice your thoughts and your emotions, it's almost like you're watching like a movie, like you're seeing them, you're feeling the emotions, you're experiencing it, but you don't have to become it. You don't have to become your suppressed anger. You can experience it and you should to like let it go, but you don't have to become it. And you can experience your desires and you can observe them and notice them, but you don't have to make the choices to always go after that thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's really helpful. How would you tell someone to, how to tell between like an ego desire versus that higher self true desire? Yeah, I mean, an ego desire is mostly going to be for someone else. It's going to be for society or to like impress someone or to please someone else. Or it could be something that's going to satisfy a very short-term need for dopamine, right? A soul desire, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like there's pressure around it. It doesn't need to have a timeline. It doesn't need to happen exactly right now. 
because it's not for the outer world. It's for your the inner world. It's for love. You know, it's it's for it's for writing poetry because it's an expression of love. You know, it's self-expression. It's not for someone else. It's not to become a bestseller, although that's not a bad thing, right? But you it's just like yeah, it's tuning into like is this coming from love or fear essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Always comes back to that, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I feel like that drives so much of us, right? Like love or fear. Yeah. So one other thing I've noticed about you is that you come across at least as like a very confident person in all ways. Is that has that always been the case for you, or have you kind of like had this journey to confidence? Yeah. So I well, in, when I was in college and high school my biggest fear was public speaking so so bad that I wouldn't do it like I would take a a D in a class because I would refuse to do the public speaking because I was that petrified of it because I was so insecure and worried what people thought and I couldn't mess up in front of people you know so that that stuff drove me for a very 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 long time what helped me develop confidence was working in sales really is where I started to realize that I had this one realization where I was cold calling I had to like go to businesses and like ask for the owner and then pitch myself to them mostly getting rejected like all day long getting rejected and that was really 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 hard and at one point I just I just had a realization of like hey wait a minute what if I looked at this almost like a game like every time I do this out of the comfort zone thing of walking in there and getting rejected what if I see that as like a stepping stone for my confidence, like a little building block? And so I started to just like play with life in that way. So if something would make me nervous, I'd be like, I would just approach it as a way to help me build my confidence. And so that's really where that came from. And so then, but it was it was not a super, it was still more of an ego confidence, I would say. And then when I got into like journaling, that helped me so much to really start to dig into like my insecurities where did they come from where did I learn them are they really like do I really want to be worried about that or can I let it go and yeah having like a daily journaling practice helped me so 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 much with that awesome I love this idea of like making life a game that's been coming up a lot for me recently from other people I feel like the universe is sending me a message with that (laughs) I love that. For sure. I just love the idea of it, of just, like, not taking life so serious, you know? It is a game. So, oh, you were saying something, and it made me think of a question, and now I forgot it. But, so, I also just want to say really quick, you were talking about, like, doing a commune a few weeks ago. Yeah. When are we starting? (laughs) Are you in? Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that would be so fun. What are you doing, like, just for fun right now? Ooh, I love that. Oh, man. Going on walks as much as possible. I love being outside, reading. I'm huge into reading. And then I love watching Netflix with my husband at night. Like, I love it. And we love to watch, like, a lot of, like, psychological thriller-type shows, like dystopia-type. We just watched The 100, which I thought was so good. and. Yeah, shows like You, you know, the show You. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just getting lost in those type of things. 
That's so fun. I am a big walker too. We have, do you have any pets? I have a dog. Yes, we have two dogs and they are high energy dogs. So we're always walking them. And I feel like a lot of people think that it's an inconvenience, but I love that they make me get outside so much. I absolutely love it. It's so good. Okay. So I also know that you were, do you have any spots on your retreat left right now? No. Okay. So it's full, but maybe there would be one in the future. Um, I would still like to cover like the benefits of going to a retreat. I personally have never been to a retreat. So even for me and for my listeners to kind of like get an idea of like why they're so awesome and why we should go to one, I would love to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. So I had never been to one before, before I started hosting my own. So I started hosting them almost two years ago. I think I've done like five maybe. But my favorite thing about them is getting a group of women together for like a prolonged period. And that could be two nights I've done up to five nights where like it's one thing to go to dinner with friends, right? And you're with them for an hour or two and you, but you can't get so deep. I feel like when you spend a weekend with people that are like-minded, the conversations go so deep and people really, if you create a safe environment, which I do through being myself and just being super raw and authentic and people feel safe then to open up. And so people end up like sharing secrets and people end up just, just realizing I'm not the only woman who struggles with that thing. Cause this other girl like opened up about it. And so there's just a lot of like really raw, beautiful conversations that happen. And we always do breath work at them. Like I do various activities, The breath work is always a big one. So there's always like different healing activities. Like I think you'd find at most retreats. Like I've been to two retreats now that someone else hosted and they were awesome. So yeah, it's, it's a really great opportunity to, you know, get away from, get away from it all and like be in like a peaceful state. Like you're probably not going to be on your phone the whole time, right? Like you're like in the moment and just like allowing yourself to open up and be be around others who are opening up, that's like my favorite part. That, I feel like I'm always looking for having those deeper conversations, hence a podcast where we have deeper conversations. Yeah. But yeah, that sounds amazing. Definitely, definitely follow Leah and keep an eye out for her next retreat. So... Yeah, there's so many things. I guess the next thing I want to ask is, you're doing like breathwork and life coaching and and these retreats now. How did you kind of discover or realize that that's what your truest, highest self was pulling you to do? Yeah, so I knew that I wanted, once I got into meditation and journaling, I knew I wanted to share these things with the world. Actually, it was even before that because I was, so I was learning about confidence. I was, I was doing a lot of like mindset learning, not with like the spiritual side, but like with the more, the more corporate mindset stuff though, you know, but I was learning about confidence and it was changing my life a lot. And I was implementing these things with my sales team and seeing how it was helping them, you know, even outside of the workplace. And so I wanted to start sharing about that and I started a blog and this actually my first niche I guess was confidence and I my blog was called candid confidence and I became a life coach at that time and was a confidence coach for like maybe a year or so was like my niche so 
it just kind of was a desire to share information and it grew into it just grew and evolved over time and I really had to allow myself to let it evolve you know because it's really easy to, to um, we're supposed to stick with things which like isn't bad but we're supposed to stick with one thing and be you know really really good at one thing and I didn't want to do that I wanted to allow it to evolve into other things and yeah so I, I would I just kind of had an inner knowing that that was the right path though too like when I was becoming a life coach like I knew it was the right thing to do I really was craving purpose out of my career so yeah that is so funny because I'm gonna start confidence coaching so that's so funny and maybe in like three years I'll be a breathwork coach <laughs> Seriously, you never know where it's gonna go and that's oh cool yes that's awesome I, I have had recently to also let go of like the reason I wouldn't commit to anything for a really long time was because I was like I don't want to do one thing forever mm-hmm. and so I really had to give my permission to let go of the expectation of sticking to this one thing and letting it transform into new things and letting it go when it stops being the highest excitement for me and I feel like we could talk about that a lot I mean just feeling into those transitions and when you when you are reconnecting to your joy and you're following your joy and you're defining success as you know like how much fun you're having and you you started your career you know in the confidence coaching and eventually that kind of became not your highest excitement anymore and I feel like it can be hard to tell between like burnout and you need rest and like, oh, I'm actually being called to like move on from this. Can you talk about how you kind of worked through that? Yeah, I mean, there's also been plenty of times when I didn't really know what the right thing was. You know, and I think that's more common than anything else for us is to not be totally sure. You know, there's going to be times when you like, you feel that intuitive nudge or you get the sign and you're like, okay, this is obviously what I'm meant to do. But there's also a lot of times when it's like, no, I have these two things I want to do and I have to pick one, you know, and I'm not going to, there's no way to really know which one's the right one, you know? So there's a lot of that. And it's a lot of just taking risks. It's a lot of, you know, if you want to follow your joy, especially in terms of like a career, you have to just take the risks. You have to sign up for the course, even if you're not positive, this is what you're going to want to do afterwards. And be willing to put the content out, even if you're not sure if it's exactly the way you want it to be. And, you know, art is always about taking creative risks. So I think that's the biggest part is being willing to put things out there that aren't fully, fully baked concepts and allow that to be part of your journey too. Yeah, you said... Sometimes you don't know which one is, like, the right one to do. Do you think there is a right one to do? Or do you think, like, you just do one of them and then, like, that's just the path that you chose and there wasn't a right or wrong in the first place? I don't know. I I don't know. I think that if – I think that's, like, with a lot of things where we can't really know. All we want, I feel like, as humans, especially in this, like, hyper-masculine society, we want, like – linear logical analytical answers to everything right and so when we can't know the answer for sure we often like science will just ignore things that doesn't have an explanation for like i think like like to me what i want my life to be about is experiencing everything in life 
everything, the ups and downs. I want to experience all the emotions. I want to experience the hardships. Like I want to like experience it all fully. And that involves taking a leap when you don't know the answer. And so I'm very okay with like not knowing things. Like I don't have a specific thing that I think happens when we die. I don't know. Something happens or something doesn't, who knows? And I'm, I'm surrendering to that. I'm surrendering to the journey. But I think we're so inclined to want to control everything. And a lot of, there's a lot to be gained when we take a more surrendered approach and say, you know what, like, I'm just going to let this be. I'm going to pick a direction. And maybe, like, I know that some people believe that, like, what's meant for you can't pass you up. So no matter which road you take, you'll always end up back where you're meant to be. Who knows? Like, we don't know. So I think the journey gets a lot more fun when we just like, just, just go for it. Just live life. Just experience it, you know? Yeah. Just make it a game. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Man. So you kind of, you transitioned out of this corporate life, obviously into this more coaching world. And while you were doing that, you're learning about joy and like being grateful for what you have. and. People probably listen to this podcast and they are trying to transition out of their job into whatever it is that is their highest excitement right now. How did you balance like keeping that joy even at your job while you were working on transitioning out of it? Yeah, I mean, at the time I was very, 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 I was obsessed with quitting my job. So that really made me not as happy because I was, the reason why I was so obsessed with it was because I was, it was all about the outer image, right? It was all about the outer success at that time for me. So in little ways, you know, I, I would do things like my job was really stressful and I would like shut the door to my office and like meditate for five minutes. Like I would do things like that to like make my day better. And I was learning to like appreciate the present moment and stuff like that. But I think if I could go back, I would tell myself like, hey, you have to you have to be okay with like with where you're at because that's you know I was really expecting that once I quit my job and I was full-time coaching I'd be so happy and like I was in a sense and I am and I love what I do I'm really really grateful for it but it didn't change my inner state nothing outside of you can right we're not our happiness isn't determined by outer circumstances only 10% of it is right the other 90% is us just how we interact with life so that was just another thing where I thought, once I have this, then I'll be happy. And that was, a, that was when I really realized, okay, <laughs> me thinking I need the next thing is like not working. So, I mean, I would recommend like, can you, can you be okay with the experience you're in, with the step you're in of your journey, you know? Which like now is, is what I focus on. Because of course there's like places I'd like to be, things I would like to do, like next steps I'd like to be on that I'm just not there yet. And I'm more like leaned back with it. It's like, this is the journey. This is the step I'm on right now. Can I savor this step and be okay with it? Mm. Yeah. I really feel like that's so helpful for everyone to know, like, even when you're going after your highest excitement, your true joy, you can still not be happy when you get there because if you're not doing the internal work, it still doesn't matter what you're doing yeah. <laughs> outside of it. And I, I just wanted to 
circle back to that because I felt like that was a very, very important message. And then you started talking about something that I love to talk about, which is like this idea of like cycles and seasons through life and like just realizing that it's not all going to be like super high and you're not going to be like super excited like you just got engaged every day you know like whatever it is for you that's super exciting there's always going to be these different seasons that come and go and so how do you kind of how do you prepare yourself or look at the the different seasons as they start coming and going in your life yeah yeah i I don't think that we can obviously we can't be like happy every day like that's not happiness is just one emotion like one fleeting emotion and it has to have you know duality in order to experience that so i think it's more about finding peace and i do think you can be at peace underneath anything else that's happening every single day you can have an like an internal peace going on with you and that's what it's really about so i think it's really about awareness it's about like noticing when the seasons start to shift for you noticing when things get more challenging or whatever something starts to change noticing what your mind does because the mind freaks out it wants to make meaning out of everything and we just have to like observe those thoughts and say okay like my mind right now is making this mean i'm lazy because maybe i'm in a slower season of life Maybe I'm in, my business is in a slower season. Maybe that means I'm a loser, like whatever it is. Maybe I'm, you know, whatever the season is and whatever your mind is trying to make it mean, just observing that and remembering it's not true. And, and then to, like from there, like looking at what's to gain in this season. You know, there's always something we can gain or learn from every experience. So that's really helpful too. And I love, I just love walking through life and being okay with like the things that don't seem as good on the outside you know like like the weather you know it could be cold it could be rainy it could be dark it could be gloomy but that's okay what if that was okay you know what if that didn't need to change for us to be our happiest like what if that was just okay it's just part of life it really makes every day an adventure and a game (laughs) when you when you look at it that way and you look for the joy and everything and you and even if there's not necessarily joy in something, it could be sorrow, it could be grief, but can I still experience this, you know, without wanting it to change? Yeah, taking it for what it is. And obviously having things like grief is not something to be thankful for, but being thankful for being alive and to, for being able to experience that in the first place. The weather thing is so funny because I actually live in Michigan, which is cold. And I usually we leave during the winter because I'm a sunny girl. I don't know. And this year we are not. And so I'm like Enneagram 7, Sagittarius, like adventure travel junkie person. And so I literally have hacked myself this winter to be like, being cold is just an an additional experience I get to have. And I'm being so serious, it's worked so well for me. I'm like, okay, like, it's not terrible that I'm cold. It's just, like, a feeling. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so fun because it actually works. And I just love that. I also loved Mm -hmm. how you said, like, it's about having peace and not always, like, chasing that joy. Because even, 
I feel like this goes back to what you were saying, like just chasing a new thing. And even if it is your highest joy and you're still chasing something, that's still an indication that you need to have some peace around something inside of you. Yeah. Yeah, I had a a client who was living in the north and she wanted to move to Florida because it would be sunny and warm. And she moved and wasn't any happier. So then she moved back up north and now wants to move back to Florida. So, and this is, this happens to a lot of people. Like if you, if you research it, people when they move somewhere because it's gonna be warm and sunnier, they're not, it doesn't actually make them happier. And that's why a lot of people end up, do end up moving back, you know, because being around family is, is a big important thing or being, you know, there's different reasons why people live where they live. Generally, I feel like if you live in the north, you probably, probably have family. <laughs> Otherwise, why? Just why? That's literally um, why I live here. <laughs> yeah, same for Pittsburgh. But it doesn't. It doesn't make you happier, right? It just doesn't. And we think it's going to. And even people that live in in like sunny California, if you, the research has showed like if you ask them like what makes them happy, they will say like the sunshine, being living somewhere warm. But it's not. Doesn't actually correlate with like their happiness and when you change the environment, it doesn't actually do anything. Like the happiest countries in the world are like Nordic country, you know, like the people live in yes. freezing cold, but they're the happiest. And I've recently made peace with winter, very recently. And maybe like my second year of like being totally like, this is good. And it's really interesting because I now I have such a deep appreciation for the changing seasons. Yes. You know, snow at Christmas time spring is so magical when you've had winter before it it's just like it's actually really really cool yeah I was just thinking like it really does it makes you more grateful for the changing seasons and also when it is warm and it's just I might be biased but like a lot of people here like we say like you cannot beat a Michigan summer they're short but you just can't. Lakes everywhere, great, like, hiking and stuff. I mean, not mountain hiking, but, you know, beautiful trails and all of that. It does. It just makes you a lot more grateful when you can look at it that way. Yeah, and that's one of the things, too, is when you live somewhere where it's mostly warm and sunny, you don't appreciate it as much. It's just not as big of a deal to you. But if you live where we live, it's a big deal. So it really does impact your happiness even more. Yes. And you know what else I found personally, because we've spent a lot of time in Florida, is a lot of the people that live in Florida for the weather do not even enjoy the nice weather. Like they stay inside a lot with the AC, like everywhere I've been, they have like the tiniest yards. So like they can't even like enjoy the outside in their yards. And so I just find that really interesting as well. Yeah, yeah, I got married in Florida in, it was December, but it was kind of chilly, like, for, like, southern Florida in, in December, it was a little bit chilly, and everyone was wearing, like, winter coats, and we were, my husband <laughs> and I were like, okay, it's a little bit chillier than, like, if you, it wasn't, like, a lay-on-the-beach kind of hot day, but, like, it, they, so it's colder to them because they're somewhere warm, so, like, it's still, you know what I mean, whereas to us, yeah. it's always, you can go there anytime, it's gonna be nice. Yeah, for sure. Or like where it's like snowing and we just went skiing. So like we're like, let's still go outside and do stuff. 
Yes. Yeah, I love skiing too. So fun. Oh my gosh. It was my first time. It was so exciting. Oh, oh my gosh. I could tell you some funny, embarrassing stories about that. <laughs> but okay, well, I do want to be respectful of your time and the listeners' time. This has been such a good conversation. Uh, you just have so much wisdom and light to share, and I'm so grateful that we got to have it here. My last question that I have for you is how are you defining success for yourself right now? Oh, I love that. You know, it's something I'm still working on with redefining success because I spent so much of my life really believing success meant making a lot of money and having like an important like job title, you know, and the house and all the things. And for me right now, it feels like peace. Success to me would be feeling at peace, not feeling like I need to chase anything. Doesn't mean I don't have desires and goals, but I'm not desperately in need of them. I'm at peace. That's what success means to me right now. Yes, what about I you? Ooh, don't point it back at me. I'm the interviewer. <laughs> I do not have an answer for this. Let me think. I think for me in this season of my life, it's doing things without worrying how other people perceive them. Mm. because I am the thing that has kept me so long from being a coach is I feel like there's so much negative stigma around being like a mindset coach or a life coach and I I'm also I have this deep-rooted fear of like not being ready enough or like not actually having my life together enough to share these kind of things and so I really have to be in this place of like I'm doing this because I know I have things that can help people and that's more important to me than other people like judging me or, or interpreting my intentions. So that's mm. it for me right now. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. And like we all every I swear every single coach like felt like that in the beginning, you know, because you're never going to feel ready for anything that's new. It's like about it's about doing it before you're ready. Yeah, that's very reassuring. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you again for coming on. You have so much you can share with other people, whether they are already have been in their, you know, healing journey or whether they're looking to start it. Why don't you let everyone know where they can follow you, stay in touch with you, drop your podcast, all the things. Yeah. So the podcast is Bare Naked Soul. My book is Confessions of an Uncaged Soul. You can find it on Amazon and Instagram is just, it's Leah Party. Awesome. Awesome. Well, all right, Leah, thank you for the light and good luck with the winter. Yes. Enjoy it as well. Cozying up with some cacao and a blanket. It's not so bad, right? Yep. We'll get through it happily. Thank you so much for listening to the Reconnecting to Joy podcast today. I really hope it inspired you to embrace a more fun-focused way of being. Uh, If you know me, you know that I love just having fun 24-7, and it's something that I really want to share with other people. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and share this with all of your friends so that they can start reconnecting to their joy too. I'll see you next week.